I just coined a term, photobomb. Feel free to use it. Welcome, kids. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome. Creepy. Episode 227. Jack uh, K. That's right. Bill's fascination <laughs> with Jack K. What's her last name? Jack K. What? Uh, oh, I just shoot it. Henry? Something like that? Jack, Jack K. Henry? Yeah, Harry. Jack K. Harry. Harry. Jack K. Harry. All right. Uh, so it's episode 227 of the On Taking Pictures show. We might try to squeeze in some photography. We're considering uh, Bill it. Wadman. Yeah, Bill Wadman in New York, Jeffrey Sidoris in D.C. Uh, sad news. We begin with sad news. Uh, the passing of, of iconic funny man Gene Wilder, dead at 83. Yeah, been sort of out of the public eye for the last eight, or years, eight years or so, right? Yeah, the last thing I saw, he did, um, gosh, was it the Paley Center? I think he, he did a talk at the Paley Center. How long the last ago? thing I remember. Um, years ago, years and years ago, or uh, semi-recently? Semi-recently, I thought, but maybe I'm way off base. Hmm. Um, but wow, what a what a talent! Uh, and and you know, not just Willy Wonka, but Young Frankenstein and sure. Stir Crazy, and and uh, there was a great flick that he did uh, with Harrison Ford called The Frisco Kid. Ah, yes, yeah. Although I'm uh, still still uh, chocolate factory for me, yeah, that's yeah, your, that's your go to. It's it's the scene at the end where he yells at him and then turns around and hugs him. You know yeah. what I mean? That whole thing where he, you won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to have to put you through that. That, yeah, that level of acting, just his his mm-hmm. just his just meanness, apparently necessary acted meanness in order to. Uh, take over the whole thing it was pretty it was pretty well it even gets me today when i watch it yeah plus he gave and, back uh, his everlasting gobstopper right right which was strangely shaped like some sort of three-dimensional star thing yeah you know how uncomfortable that thing would be that's what i'm saying <laughs> yikes i wouldn't put that in my mouth that's why it's everlasting yeah, yeah. you never stick yeah. it in your mouth uh, it lasts forever because it gets stuck in your throat yeah <laughs> it lasts as long as you do, which isn't very long when it gets stuck in your <laughs> But it's you know it's kind of interesting. He had he he carved out another career for himself as a writer. Yep. Yeah. And had this this whole other life, much like Steve Martin. Uh, right. Uh which is is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I th- I think it seemed like he was never really the same after his wife died. Yeah, after Gilda died. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that he was one of those people who just really never got over that. And she was, what, in her 40s? She was Something. really young. So, yeah, it's it, a very it kind sad. Of, their relationship struck me as, as sort of the Paul and Linda McCartney relationship. Where, yes, you know, Paul has gone on and been happy, but there was still something about that relationship that seemed to transcend... Yeah, nothing else. Nothing you know else I mean? really, really stood by. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. nothing else really compared. I think it happens. You know, I mean, it may be that the person you're with when you're really young is the one you, you know, are always thinking about. It happens. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also an argument to be said that that some people just don't want to move on because they feel like that's 
betraying the memory of the other person. Sure. You know, so sure. I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, you could, you could psychologize that stuff up the wazoo, you know? I don't know about, uh, Wild, did, did Wilder's personal life, did he ever remarry? Uh, I don't think so. <clears throat> Uh, I, I, you know, I, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Uh, let me, let's check. Uh, yeah, but it is, it is sad, but you know, it's not like he, apparently he, he, he was 83. He, he, he well, and, he, and he'd been dealing with Alzheimer's for yeah. years. Oh yeah. He married, uh, let's see, Karen Moyer. Ah, okay. Interestingly enough, know. he was only married to Gilda Radner for five years and had been married to two other women before that. Hmm. He had four spouses. Hmm. Um, they just clicked. Yeah, and maybe uh, Karen Boyer and him clicked it, but it just wasn't as public, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is entirely Yeah, that's got to be a strange... The whole idea of celebrity... I mean, we we talk about the celebrity the, themselves being well-known, but then it's... I don't know, there's this whole other side. It's very strange to think well, about. I mean, yeah, talk about... <laughs> that, that's in the news, too, with the whole Huma and, and what's his name? Anthony Weiner and his wife. You know, so it's yeah, it's it's a tough thing. I think a lot of people also like their their lives semi private, you know, mm-hmm. which I completely understand, too. And you have to be careful not to assume that they're not very happy or, you know, that 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 their relationship is any different just because they're not public about it. Because right. Lots of people like their relationships private, you know. Anyway, not, not to say for nothing, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Sad. 83 hey, years uh, old, though. What? Apple, did you see the thing about Apple getting hit with the uh, tax $14 thing and, billion dollar tax bill? Yeah, they probably should. They don't pay any taxes for anything. None of these companies. And I love I love their defenses. You know, this is going to do a lot of damage to the, to the economy because we won't be able to hire as many people. It's like, yeah, you know. Well, I, I wonder, <laughs> okay, I, the deal was made with, with Ireland. But Ireland is a member of the EU. Right. Is that the idea? I guess so. So that's that's where where the where the 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 rub is, is that Ireland made this deal. And now the EU is coming in and saying, no, you you shouldn't have or you legally couldn't have made that deal. Right. Yeah. But it's you know, you just it's like if if they made the deal, then why is Apple liable for it? Why wouldn't Ireland be liable for it? Because they made the deal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the legal. And I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't know yeah, anything yeah. about anything yeah. with the, with regard to that. But you know what? I think Apple has that money somewhere in the seams of its couch. You know, they have what two hundred billion dollars sitting in cash, something like that. One hundred and thirty billion of it, out, like outside of the country. It's like, all right, right, right. So they, you know, take one down, pass it around. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> nice. Um, so, uh, so where do you want to start? You did you ever get did you get to see this conflict thing, or you still haven't watched? Yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, we can start there. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, I watched Elvis and Nixon on Amazon Prime. This is a documentary or a, uh, a movie? no? It's a dramatization. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays Nixon. Uh, Michael Shannon, which I thought odd casting at the beginning, but he he makes it work. Which one's Michael uh, Shannon? Hold on. Michael Shannon. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he plays Elvis. Um, uh, 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 what's what's his what's uh, Colin Hanks? Tom Hanks' boy. Sure. He's in it, uh, and it's it's. I it's like Colin funny. Hanks. He's solid. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's you know it, it, for those of you who don't know, in in 1971, Elvis 
showed up at the White House wanting to meet with President Nixon to offer his services as what he called an undercover agent at large. He basically he wanted to be a DEA agent yep. and and have and a badge. Thought that, yeah, thought that the country was going in the wrong direction and and he wanted to infiltrate the hippies and the Black Panthers and you know all these other groups uh, in in an effort to to right the ship, as as he said, all all while on piles of prescription medications <laughs> coursing through his blood. <clears throat> and then when the, allegedly, yeah, allegedly, when, yeah, and when Nixon gave him some White House M and M's, he said, "Thank you very much." Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it is. It is pretty funny, though. Um, is it funny you, or is you, it is it like dark comedy funny? Uh, a little of both. I mean, it's mostly it's just funny. It, okay. there, there's some strangeness in it, but uh, it's pretty funny. And like I said, Michael Shannon pulls it off. All right, I I will I will check that out when I get a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So this this show conflicts about what a half an hour long. Thirty five minutes. Yeah. It's on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, go watch it and then come back and listen, or listen and then go watch it. Uh, we mentioned it last week. Uh, it is uh sort of vignettes. Would you call them vignettes? Yeah, yeah, vignettes, tableaus, maybe. With uh, six photographers, I do believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them sort of war photographers, although there's one woman in there who sort of shoots uh, abusive relationships, which is her area of conflict, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's interesting because there are, I think it starts with this guy in Egypt, maybe, who lost both of his legs. Uh, was shot and they they show the frames that he shot after his legs had been blown off and he was being dragged away from the battlefield. He right. pick, still had his camera on his neck and picked it up and shot a couple of frames before he passed out from the pain. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, disclaimer, it, it's pretty graphic. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, yeah. So be careful there. Do not watch it with your five-year-old children. Right. Um, but I thought very well done. I mean, it was it was very beautifully like technically well done like it's all very nicely shot and 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 the stories are told very well and everyone sounds very uh serious about it obviously i mean and everyone's really well spoken in it um the thing the thing the things that i wanted to bring up were a couple things number one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh these guys put so much on the line they quite literally put their lives on the line in a daily basis sure right uh, uh, last week's photographer of the week, uh, Nicole Tung is in there and talking about how she and a, a videographer friend of hers, whose name I can never remember, you know, we're over in Syria together, you know, as bu- sort of buddy system kind of thing. Right. And he got captured and then he ended up getting beheaded and killed, you know, as James as Foley hostage. was his Thank name. Thank you, James Foley. You know, well, and, and talk about six degrees. Her, she also at one point lived with uh the guy that was killed with Tim Hetherington right in the mortar attack a few years right. ago right i mean these these people are it's it's like a it's like a gang these right. these the you know so my my question has multiple heads that i want to bring up yep. one, okay. one is one is <laughs> is is what these people are doing really worth putting your life on the line for um and secondly if they're putting their lives on the line and you and i and most of the people listen to this show we talk very deeply and for long periods of time about our work and our pictures and our, all this kind of stuff. Right. But like, what are we really putting on the line other than fear of failure in our own egos? Okay. You know? 
Yeah. Do you, do you want to dive in? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So you, do you like this topic or, or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. With regard to problems or struggles or comparing, uh, putting yourself in harm's way versus getting a two-light setup in a <laughs> studio in Manhattan right. Sure. I, I tend to beat myself up a lot over most things. And, and one of those things is around what I get upset about or what I feel my issues, problems, struggles, et cetera, are. Right. Are they the same as someone in sub-Saharan Africa? Of course not. No. But they are still my struggles, my challenges that I have to either work through or overcome or put to the side. So they're still just as real to me as as someone else's problems is to them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're sure. The, the, the emotional relativist model. Yeah. I mean, it's thinking. impossible yep. to compare yeah. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just mean that these <clears throat> these me. people are are actually sacrificing something. And and sure. I I know I and most people get really worked up about things that you know, if it go, if it goes well, great. If it doesn't go well, it's okay cuz you could just do another one, you know, but we we get stuck right. in these in these uh, uh uh cycles of fear of failure, you know. Um sure. Yeah, go ahead. But I, th- I feel like on a macro level, everything has its place. Yes, they're out there in the front lines risking their lives, quite literally, yep. to produce the pictures. Yep. But it also takes a team of people who aren't producing the pictures to edit, catalog, uh, post, share, yep. comment about, uh, and get those photographs out so they're not just lost on an SD card somewhere. Sure. And I, I've, I've, I, I take a little bit of comfort in that while my photographs are not making the kind of impact or are not uh, requiring me to put myself in the kind of line of fire that, that these people are, maybe somebody sees one of my photographs and it inspires them to pick up a camera or maybe somebody hears our show and it inspires them to go look up Nicole Tung or Donna Ferrato or, you know, any of the others that are profiled. Sure. And that inspires them to pick up a camera and go carry that mantle, you know, take up that, 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 that mantle. Yeah. Uh, Sure. So I, I think there is purpose in all of it. Yeah. And I think it takes, it takes a certain kind of person uh, to, to do it. Um, And and the beauty of it is that there, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. finish your thought. I was just going to say that the beauty of it is that there are, there are so many aspects of it. You know, you mentioned at the top that there, that while they are both photojournalists, one can focus on conflict in terms of combat. Right. And the other can focus on conflict in terms of domestic conflict or, or interpersonal conflict. Yeah. Both valid, but only but only one is putting himself or herself in in uh, the line of fire for for you know gunfire or mortar attacks or whatever. Sure. But they're still both providing this sort of human drama that that fuels us and inspires us and 
hopefully gets us to take action on yeah. something. You know, I would just a, a slight aside before I get back Excuse to what me. I was about to say. There's that scene in there where she, the the God, can you help me with her name? The the uh, domestic violence photographer. Isn't that isn't that Donna Ferrara? Oh, is that okay? Sorry, my bad. I, I can't uh, remember. But I there's that is. scene where she's you know taking pictures of this guy beating his wife, and right. she's like, "What are you doing?" Whatever it is, and he basically says. You know, shut up. You have no, you don't know how part of this. This is my wife and I can do what I want kind of thing. And I just look at that and I go, what goes on in a person's head, especially a man's head that they think they could just beat their wives like that, you know? Right. It's just, I look at it and I'm just yeah, like, let alone on camera. Yeah. Like what is like, what, you know, it, I feel like that's just so round the bend from any sort of thought process I could ever imagine myself having, you know? Um, I feel bad if I snap at my wife, let alone. <laughs> You know, right. let alone actually do anything. Oh, God, it's just it, unbelievable. It's just you just want to go in there and like stand between the guy and the girl and be like, you want to slap somebody, slap somebody your own size, you know. Um, oh, it drives me nuts. Um, what I was going to say is that I watch this and I, and I have two conflicting emotions in me. One is. Oh my God! The 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 amount of of life energy these people are putting into this thing that they believe in, and mm-hmm. and that inspires me from a wow. There are still people out there who love something and are trying to make the world a better place. On the flip side of that, I just is sort of the nihilist side of me, which is just like, wow, you guys are putting your lives on the line for something that's really not going to change because you know what? People are still going to kill each other whether or not you take these pictures because that's just human nature and the way of the world and power and, you know, nation states and and religion and all these things, right? Sure, but but images do have power. Images do have the power to change minds. They do have the the, the, the power to inspire people to look deeper. They do have the, 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 the ability... To move us, and whether that's moving us in thought or moving us in action, I think that's still very important. Okay, well, so here's this is the that's the second part of this. So uh, the last guy is it Iris Hoagland? Hoagland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's a quote from from the show. He said, "I don't believe that photo photojournalism is a very important job. My pictures and the pictures of my colleagues they don't change anything. So let's not pretend that they do. You want to help people become a doctor and work in some poor neighborhood where people can't afford health care." That's how you help people. Uh, and he talks about all the friends of his who have died and his own father who died and all this kind of stuff. And he's very much like, you know what? I'm going to go live a normal life because I fought the battle and it, it, I did that. I did it well. But in the end, the world doesn't want to be changed. And so okay. I'm going to stop spending my energy trying to change it. Uh, but but on the flip think? side of that, yep. what if a photo essay on some poor neighborhood in X city yep. made it to the hands of a young person who didn't know about these conditions, who had never heard of that city, yep. and up to that point hadn't ever considered being a doctor, but it changes his or her trajectory to become a doctor. To become a doctor. Sure. Absolutely could then, happen. Then, then, then doesn't... But you could also... That... I mean, yes. Yeah, sure. But but there... I mean, you could also say, you know, 
oh, I was sitting at the coffee shop this morning and I saw a woman with a poor child walking down the street and that made me want to change it. It's not, you know what I mean? Sure, like, but aren't they both valid? Aren't absolutely, each of them valid? But, but, but there is a certain level of a question of, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily taking the position that what they do is, is what's the word he uses? I guess he just says it's not very important. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that's not very important, but I think it's interesting that a guy who's been doing photojournalism for 30 years, whose father was a photojournalist who died in whatever Nicaragua or wherever it was, whose, whose boss at Newsweek handed the kid Eros, his dad's camera bag at the funeral and said, here you right. go, kid. Like it's, it's all you now. Like <laughs> talk about pressure on the poor kid. Well, um, it's, it's, it's the, the interview with Don McCullen. Who right. said, you know, he's he's spent the last 50 years of his life wasted being right. a combat photojournalist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and those images have power. They have they have worth. Yeah. Sure. They have power. But if the person who took them thinks that they weren't worth the amount of they weren't the, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, you know, because. Yeah. But at the this, time it was. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I'm just saying that this this is a job that literally eats people up and spits them out. Sure, you know, time and time again we see this. Sure, um, in, in the same way that there are you know 17 uh, year old kids who are gung ho to go into the army to go kill the bad guys, you know, and they get out at 22 and they're just like, wow, you know, PTSD and they've got all kinds of problems and they don't they're 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 they wondered what why they put their life on the line for all this kind of stuff i'm just saying it's really interesting hearing somebody like eros talk as somebody who's there and did it and he says you know what it's not worth it well Um, at, at what point does does art become propaganda well yeah i mean especially photojournalism you know, I mean, when when we were well, when I when I was in college, when when Top Gun came out, well, sign ups definitely propaganda. Yeah, sign ups went through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the, the the Navy said it was one of the best you know recruitment films ever made. Right, right, right. We got to kill those Ruskies. Right, who, <laughs> who were apparently flying in T thirty eights, masquerading as as, as MIGs. MIGs. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It, I. I guess the question. I mean, look. Sometimes I think about this. You know, I read the news constantly, mm-hmm. and and I and I, this is a a a, a slightly quasi political aside, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, I okay, look. This at is the, Bill talking. <laughs> this is Bill. So direct your comments at him, not me. I look at. I look at. <laughs> The 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 way the press talks about ISIS, and I think that there are a bunch of dirtbags too. But, the press or ISIS or both? Uh, ISIS in this case. Okay. Um, okay. But I I just look at it and they're just like ISIS is you know taking women and raping them and passing them around, and then they've got little kids shooting people in the head, and they're cutting people's heads off, and they're doing whatever. And I'm just like, okay, could you come up with? any more evil of a set of people according to the information that we have in the West, you know, it's just like, it is the, they're like the ultimate boogeyman, you know, they're Mm -hmm. people who wear masks and you can't see their faces and they're cutting people's heads off in the desert and raping women. I'm like, Holy crap. Like you couldn't write this any better, you know? And, and, and I'm sure most, if not all of those things are entirely true and, you know, got to stop the guys, but it's just sort of like, I can't imagine that somebody has absolutely no redeemable qualities at all. It just, it's, it's like almost too convenient how evil they are, you know? 
mm-hmm. and I just find it fascinating when I when I look at the media and I'm just like, are we getting the whole truth or are we not getting the whole truth? You know, um, you know, and and it's, and it's, you I mean, never can tough. tell because we are on one side. I mean, even take go up into space and look down. We are getting our news from one side of the people that are in the place that is fighting against those guys, right? Like, you know, the news people are all on our side, quote unquote, you know, um, the, the news that you lost me there. All, all of the news that you and I read is all from the US or the UK or Europe. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, so I'm just saying that like our news media that we're getting this information from is all on our side, on, on our team, as it were in the world. If you like look at world as like one big global risk thing, you know? Um, so yeah, art does become propaganda all the time, you know? Uh, it, it, but you know, but I think that most photojournalists would say that, that, that art, that photojournalism isn't art, right? You think they would see it as, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, a lot of those images, I mean, uh, uh, are, are you, are you, are you, uh, referring specifically to combat photojournalism? Well, certainly Hoagland says, you know, you go to these places and there's teams of photographers all trying to outdo each other to get the more right. dramatic photo. Right. I mean, it's like the Olympics of, of photography, you know? Um, and, and I mean, we, we showed that picture. Remember that picture? Uh, I don't know, a hundred episodes ago where it was like, <laughs> back some, in the threes. <laughs> exactly. Some, some woman, uh, like holding her child or dead person or something like that. And, and it's like this beautiful shot. And then somebody else took the shot of everyone taking that shot. And it was 10 photojournalists all standing there in a row, taking the picture of like the one guy holding his kid mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all we ever see is the, is the angle of, Oh, look at the guy in the war torn background. But in reality, right, right, right. it's a team it's, of guys all trying to get that shot because they all want it to run in Newsweek or right. whatever. It's, it's a conflict paparazzo. It, yes, there you yeah. go. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. And, you know, uh, so are these people really tr- trying to, uh, are they really trying to change minds or are they trying to, uh, well, uh, as with anything, I think you have, I, I think you, it, it multiple, runs the gamut. Multiple masters. I mean, you've got people that are playing baseball because they love the game. You've got other people playing baseball because they all want to be, you know, a rod and, and get $40 million not to play. Right. Uh, I I like I like the little Yankees thing you dig dug in there too. Yeah, I'm probably going to get an email from Freddie later on. Um, he but plays, I think he, he plays for the Yankees, right? I think so. Okay. He drinks for the Yankees. <laughs> oh, oh, Freddie! I thought you meant a Rod, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think it runs the gamut. I think you have a, a certain contingency of people that are there because they are. Yes, they're interested in in what's going on. Yes, they want to be photographers, but. I think maybe there's some people that are just conflict junkies. They're adrenaline junkies. It's mm-hmm. it's the rush of getting the shot, mm-hmm. not necessarily the shot itself. And no disrespect, because either way, you're putting yourself in harm's way, which is something that I couldn't do. But I mean, let's let's. Okay, can call I play super devil's is. advocate for what you just said? Sure. And I don't necessarily believe this, but I'm going to say it as as a way to twist things a little bit. Mm-hmm. What? Why is it so wrong to call somebody out for trying to get the most dramatic shot just because they're putting their life on the line? Like just because we're I not don't putting our lives on the line, no, I, we're I don't not allowed to judge them. No, okay. I don't think it's wrong at all. Okay, all right. No, yeah. not at all. I'm just saying that that you know, call it what it is. There are people there for 
Th- Fo- there may they're be photo mercenaries. There, yeah, there may be people there for the photograph, and there may be other people there for the the action involved in getting the photograph. Right. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those can be two different things. Yeah. Man, this is a heavy, deep, dangerous topic we're talking about today. I, you know, it, and I, I, I would, I would love, I would love, and I'm going to throw this out there. I would love to do a roundtable with four or five photojournalists from different types of photojournalism and, and have some of these types of discussions and, t- and ask some of these questions. Who, who here, you know, why are you doing this? What, what started it? Why does it continue? What's, what's the upside? What are the downsides? And, and see, I'm sure there, somebody has done it, probably multiple people. Um, but I think it would be interesting to, to, to hear what's in it. Yeah. What, why are you in it? I think that there are, are eh, I think that there are also a lot of people who do a certain job and when they're doing it professionally, as in, you know, if you've been a photojournalist in St. Louis for 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. You may really love photography, but ultimately it's a job and your job is to get the picture and you you arguably may love photography less than the amateur who's really into photography. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because it is at your level uh, you, is is it's it's a job. It's a, and not just not a job like a job job kind of thing, but but it's you have a responsibility to do X. You know, to, mm-hmm. to, to it's a to, series to, of tasks. Yeah, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I've, I've got to shoot tomorrow where I'm shooting this woman who's like the chairman of the board of some corporation, and I got to go there and 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 get the pictures that this magazine needs. Well, you know what? That that's great, and I would love to come up with something artistic and and come out of there with something I really like or whatever it is. But ultimately, I have to have something that the magazine wants to run, and so I'm more thinking about my job rather than the artistic cycle of it. If I've only got 20 minutes with the woman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, I can imagine the same kind of thing happens with a lot of these war guys where, you know, they're out there in the field doing it and they're not constantly thinking like, Oh man, this composition is going to be so milky and the bouquet on this, whatever it is. They're just like, no, it's, it's, I've got right. to get the single. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can, I can write the, the, the 14 minute, you know, anthem or i can get the three minute single i'd rather get the single exactly and i think for a lot of those guys like that's what it's about you know um and and their their equipment is all very much a somewhat hopefully transparent tool they're not thinking about you know the the speed of their lenses all the time they're just like just give me a lens and a camera i gotta go out there and make this picture um yeah and and yeah yeah. And 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 yeah. I and I have I have I have a lot of respect for that level of of shooter too. You know, mm-hmm. there's that scene where um, uh, Nicole Tong is pu- is packing, and and she's like, okay, yes, camera, shirts, pants, flak jacket, helmet, right. and I'm like, I don't have a flak jacket and a bulletproof <laughs> right. helmet. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm curious is is there is there one body of work? I'm assuming that you've that you've looked at. Well, out of those, yeah. Is there one body of work that that resonates with you, either more clearly or more deeply? 
Uh, I, I actually think I like Nicole's stuff best out of those out of those yeah. shooters. Um, and that's kind of why I put her on the list for mm-hmm, Photographer mm-hmm. of the Week. Last I, I mean, I, I like them all. I really yeah. do. Um, there is something about uh, Pete's work. And it, was it Mueller or Mueller? Mueller. 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 Um, Mueller. There's something about his, and maybe it's the toning. I don't know. But yeah, sure. certainly subject matter is fantastic. But I love the way he composes his pictures. Sure. There's there, there's something in his composition that's very sort of classical. Yep. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm having a hard time Sometimes, verbalizing it. When when I see photojournalists and their composition and stuff, I think, wait a minute, how the hell did they get that to be composed? Well, it's not like they can be like, all right, everyone hold still. I'm going to run around the other side. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Like yeah, you, I, you've got to think and move in an instant. Yeah, and I understand that there's a certain level of it is luck and a certain level of it is preparing to having experience to know that, oh, I should be on that side because that's going to have the better angle or whatever. But mm-hmm. still, at the same time, a lot of that is not is, I'm sure, dictated situationally, you know. Um, so I guess a lot of it just becomes, you know, you, you, you make the lemonade you can make with the lemon you're given. And sometimes it's really good, you know. Um, there's also a, a Hoagland had a quote in there where he said my pictures don't scream they whisper which i thought was really nice yeah that's a that's a great way to look at it and and maybe you know maybe maybe that's what maybe that's one of the qualities that that separates that sort of paparazzo photojournalism photojournalism with the, the sort of cream of the crop, the, 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 those, those, those single photographs or those bodies of work that, that really draw you in. That, that right. it's not, there, there's a larger story here, not just the shock value of an arm laying next. You, do you know what sure. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe yeah. that's one of the things that separates them. I'm yeah. not sure. It's, um, anyway, I, 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 thought, I thought it was very well done, this conflict show. And if you haven't watched it and you have Netflix and you're into this kind of thing at all, Go see it. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to say. Um, yeah. There was a there uh, last week we talked about your episode of the uh, the the history show, the, the Malcolm Gladwell's new one. What's it called? Yep. Uh, the the one on revisionist history. Revisionist the history. Uh, yeah. By the way, you you can you can watch a lot of this stuff on online if you go to watch.redfits.com. Okay. Redfits Films. They've got, you know, if you don't have Netflix, you can at least get an overview of, of what's happening. Oh, what okay. We're talking about. Uh, I, I, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, let me put the, I'll add it to the show notes. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, revisionist History, there was, there was an episode. I'll put that in the show notes. Your uh, Redfits yep, thing. Thank you. Um, the, 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 there was an episode where he's talking about satire. Did you listen to that one? Uh, uh, no. I'm okay. kind of working my way through them. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay, he's, he talks about this uh, British comedian whose name I can't remember who did this character called Loads of Money. And it was back in the 80s when uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher was in power. Harry Enfield. There you go. Uh, and apparently he was madly popular. Like this character was was like all over the place, made this guy's bones kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it was all about the excesses of, of Thatcher, uh, Thatcher 
England and and you know money and banking and all the rest of it and everyone was getting rich and everything was you know I got loads of money the kind of thing um and he did this whole big thing and then they Gladwell talks about uh how when uh Tina Fey was making fun of uh what's her name from Alaska um Palin Palin you know that she she yes she she would do these impressions of of Palin but really you know, Palin was almost in on the joke because half the time they'd have Palin also on the stage of SNL. You know, it was like this sort of this soft b- pummeling them with 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 palm fronds, you know, <laughs> um, and and that 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 the, the place of 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 satire is to really kind of dig into people to ultimately try to incur change in society. And Gladwell's argument with all this stuff is that satire doesn't really change people's minds. It just, it just, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's sort of, uh, what's the word when, uh, it's, uh, like, but you see what you want to see, which just supports your own views that you already have. Mm, reinforces you know? what you already believe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and every time he said that and it kind of dovetails into the conflict thing, I was thinking, yeah, I wonder if most photography that you see photojournalism wise actually tends to uh affect people in the way that they expect to be affected you know like you know you you see some guy in texas with a gun on his hip and if you're pro-gun you go yeah there you go and if you're if you're anti-gun you're like what are those nut jobs down in texas doing with their guns you know yeah there's it's it's yeah there's the solution versus yep that's the problem exactly right So I sometimes I wonder, you know, you and I are affected by images, but somebody with different viewpoint could certainly see the same images in a completely in a completely opposite way. Um, Well, let me ask you this. When you when you look at. While we're on conflict photojournalism for a minute, do you. Do you see. The merits of the photograph, the problems with the photograph or do you immediately bypass the photograph and think about the greater conflict that the photograph is documenting? Do you do you do you stay with the artistic or do you go immediately to the political or the emotional or 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 what have you? Uh, I tend to look at the photograph as I'll tell you with the amount of war photography and just devastation and you know uh just put it under this general umbrella of really depressing pictures. Um, mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of it tends to blend together because you end up seeing so much of it in the modern world um, where I see it as a, uh, an artistic expression of a terrible moment in this larger scale concept of the, um, of, of humanity's war you know, mm-hmm. with each other. But but do you form an opinion on it based on the politics or does the photo stand alone? The photo stands alone for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, it, it doesn't make me go, oh, you know, we need to do X, Y, Z in Syria. It just makes me think, God, would people just stop killing each other for power and, you know, um, and I know there's more to it than that, but just, you know, that's my initial reaction is this visceral, um, deep frustration with our lizard brains, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me sad, but I, but I definitely see them as, Oh wow. That's a hell of a photograph versus 
I feel the pain of that man who's holding his dead child and I want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel very impotent when it comes to that kind of stuff where I feel like there's nothing I can really do to make a change in that, you know, like people going to kill each other. And it's just, it's just, and there are less people killing each other than there were 10 years ago, less than 50 years before that. And, you know, like we're, we're getting better overall as a percentage of population, but bad things are going to happen. Well, you know? domestically anyway. Yeah. Well, actually in the entire world, the amount of people who die from warfare is much lower than it has been, you know, historically. Good. Um, okay. But, uh, well, uh, good news. Yeah. Actually, did you ever watch you? Did we ever talk about that? Uh, that, uh, that crazy 18 minute infographic about war uh remind me i don't know uh there's a guy who did a thing about the fallen of world war ii that's what it's called and i will put a link in the show notes and it is amazing if you haven't seen it uh it's like 18 minutes long and the guy talks about it's like this crazy animated infographic about the number of people who died in world war ii and you know where they came from. You know this this many uh, Americans in this battle. Paste it in and, there. Let me see it. Uh, yep. Um, and put it right here. Uh, it, it it goes into you know this many Germans, this many Brits, this many French, like this many Russians, and you know the thing goes off the top of the charts because the Russians lost like forty million people in World War Two. Um, and then it goes. Oh yeah, we did. We did talk about this. I yeah, think. Yeah, because towards either that we or may not you talk and I about it on the show. It. But it's, I think you. And, yeah. It's fantastic. If you haven't watched it, you should, everyone should go watch this thing. Um, and it, towards the end of it, though, he kind of goes, "All right, well, let's scale this whole thing. Also, not just the number of people who died, but let's base it on the population of the time, because there were half as many people in the world. Percentages at World War II. of population, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he shows all the way up to today and shows how. The numbers just keep going down, 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 down. Like as a percentage of population, far fewer people die from war than have ever died, you know, in the last few hundred years. Um, so it's it's an interesting thing to watch. Uh, it's I, I find this kind of stuff. I could watch this all day. I've watched it like three times. Uh, it's great. Fallen.io. And it's also up on Vimeo. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, we're getting really political today. Let's talk about something else. What else you got? Well, did you did you happen to see that uh, this is ostensibly not about photography, but uh, that SETI's investigating a possible signal from deep space? An yeah, and then from other, deep space? apparently what other people think? are saying that the signal isn't that impressive and it's a one-time thing and it was so powerful that it's far more likely Occam's razor to have been a power spike in an electrical system or something. And Yeah, I don't know. I I reserve judgment until somebody comes out and says this is better than the wow signal of 1972 or whatever it was. When was the wow signal? Remember that whole thing? No. There there was a there was a a, a signal that we got from here I'll put a link in the show notes, the wow signal. Um th- there was a <laughs> Oh yeah, I did I did I do remember this. Yeah. My mistake. So it was in 1977 uh these guys were just looking through data coming into a radio telescope and there was this 72 second window where it was like <laughs> like huge amounts of uh uh information and data was coming down like a super powerful signal and uh the person who was reading it pulled the printout out circled it and then wrote wow next to it so it's forever known as the wow signal 
Um, they've been looking at the same place in the sky for many years and it never returned and no one really knows why or how or, or, or what the deal is. But, uh, yeah, there's hypotheses about the signal's origin or whatever, but, uh, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I love the idea of SETI, but the numbers thing just exhausts me, you know, 4 billion. There's a lot of space to cover. Yeah, you know what is isn't that the uh, thing in contact? Uh, awful. Uh, it seems like an awful waste of space. There you go. Thank you. If if we are the only ones in the universe, yep. it seems like an awful waste of yep. space. I the, my favorite part of Contact, the movie, and the the book is even better than the movie in my opinion. And but I still like the movie. Um, is is the is the scene where she's talking to the phantom of her father? You know, in this dream world, in this other planet, so she doesn't freak out. And, and she's just like, oh, you know, you built the system. He goes, no, we didn't build it. It was here when we got here. Right. Right. <laughs> that yeah. whole idea of like, we've been here for billions of years, but it was here when we got here. So we don't know who built it. Right. You know, it's sort of, it, it's, it's, it's turtles all the way down, you know? <laughs> uh, I like that movie. Yeah. I watched it, uh, for my birthday, uh, yeah. last year and it was still enjoyable. It's kind of nineties. A, a booming voice from the sky is exactly what you heard, Dr. Airway. Yeah. yeah, he's so good. He's like, yeah. can, can I take off my shirt now, Rob? Yeah, right. that's right. That's right, McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Oh. M- M- Mr. Zemeckis, I, th- I think this scene's needed me to take my shirt off. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, watch Matt Damon's impression of, of uh, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I'll put uh, that so, in what is this? Uh, janitor shoots seized stuff. So apparently this guy who works at a, uh, I do believe that it's a uh, 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 border enforcement thing, place, location. Um, Thomas Kiefer, Arizona-based photographer, working part-time as a janitor at the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol in Ajo. Right, has been, has, Mexican border. has been taking uh, stuff that's been uh, taken from people travel, you know, from, from illegal people coming into the country and basically laying it all out and shooting them as a photo project. And, and I love of, these, all of the wallets, all of the soap. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tanya sent this in. Did I get that right? Yeah. That was right. Right. Yeah. It's not Tanya. It's Tanya. It's Tanya. Uh, things organized neatly. Have you seen this? I'm going to put this in there too. <laughs> uh, I haven't said the other. Show me, show me things organized neatly. It's, it's things organized neatly dot com. And if it, it, it these photographs remind me of. Uh, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah, go. yeah. It's exactly like that. Yep. Does that stuff? Does that satisfy you? Oh yes. Yeah. So you you get off on that. Well, I didn't of... say that, but I do appreciate the 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 order amidst the chaos. Right. Which is yeah. Right. 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 Which is probably why you like the uh, the kit pictures. I do love the kit pictures. Right. Uh, I do love it. I think somebody needs to Gosh, take a kit so picture funny. with just a pile of stuff. Yeah, this All is interesting. All the toothpaste. And I think look, the look toothpaste the is my favorite one. Seems like there's an awful lot of Colgate relative to Crest. Uh, maybe uh, Colgate sells better in Mexico. Actually, the toothpaste yeah. one is cool because you notice that it's toothbrushes on the right edge. Yeah, on the right, it sort of fades into them. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Combs. Picks, shoelaces, uh, gloves. One, one comment I wanted to make. I think that the combs are really cool because he shoots them on black, so you get this. You mm-hmm. know, it reminds me mm-hmm. of who's the who's the who's the friend of the show who shot all of the black dogs. Fred Levy. 
it's like Fred. It's like those Fred Levy photographs where it's black on black, but still contains contrast. You know, yeah, which I think is really beautiful. Um, and the gloves, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You should start taking some pictures like this, just organizing crap. I would love to. Uh, just hey. take all your dishes out of the out of the <laughs> cupboard and just line them up and take pictures. Hey, what? There, there is. Uh, I forgot to to mention this when we were talking. Uh, also on Netflix. There is uh, a, a new series. It's a 10-part series called Fearless that is uh, a documentary about uh, bull riding. Oh, yeah. I, I saw it. I haven't watched it. It's it good. is beautifully shot. Really, really well done. The way it's lit, the way it's shot, the way they, they frame and use, use slow motion. and f- It's really beautifully shot. Some of the scenes are pretty hard to watch. Uh, I mean, these guys get beat to hell by these bulls. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the idea, right? Yeah. It's really beautifully shot. And it's, it's basically, it, it tracks the rise of, of uh, Brazilian cowboys in American bull riding and how the Brazilians really have changed the sport uh, for, for the better, really. Um, and it, it tracks these, you know, it's sort of multiple stories. It tracks, I think, these, I think there are four four main stories uh, that are woven through ten, ep- six or ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but uh, Fearless on, on Netflix, if you if you get a chance to see it, it's good. It's really uh, good. Did you, uh, um, do you think that, that people watch bullfighting in this for the same reason they watch NASCAR, right? They're, they're looking for the crashes? Bullfighting or bull riding? So there's bull, two very well, different okay, things. Uh, bull, fi- uh, bull riding, I, I mean. Or do you think they um, really want people to bullfighting differently? But bull, bull riding, fighting, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't dig that. And, yeah. and I'm just, I'm really on the fence about bull riding too. I, I mean, I don't. Are the bulls taunted and tormented to get them so angry or riled up, or do they just not like having? Because <laughs> otherwise, on? they're just like. Yeah, I mean, are they are they mistreated for sport? If if that's the case, I'm not really into that. But yeah. And I don't know. So yeah, yeah. if somebody does know, write in. Let us know. I, but, I I always find it fascinating whenever anybody's riding any sort of animal, even horses. I'm just like, does the horse really want you on its back? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're doing that for fun. Like it's one thing if you really needed transportation, but you're just doing that for fun. That seems weird to me. Some friends just went uh, to Colorado and went to uh, went to this. I think it was a ranch, like a dude ranch type thing. And, uh, Hey dude. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was talking to them about it and, and they were like, you know, yes, you could, you can, you ride horses there and, and you can sort of, you know, lead the horse around. But at some point the horse is just kind of done with you. And, and, and it, as if looking back over its shoulder, just like, look, I know where I'm going. Just relax. Yeah. Right? Yeah, just, yeah. 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 You know, do you, <laughs> you, I don't need your help through this. Okay. You're yeah. lucky I'm even letting you ride me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems that I think a lot of that kind of feels that way to me, uh, especially when they have the yeah going up and down the canyons and stuff like that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know the better trail. This is your yeah you, yeah. you with your one week out of the city. I've been doing this for fourteen years. Why yeah. don't you just settle down? I'll get you back to the stable. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just shut up, sit back, relax. <laughs> yeah, you know. Take out your little point and shoot, snippity snap away. Yeah, I'll get yeah. you there. All right. Do whatever you do with that little metal box. <laughs> <laughs> there better be a carrot and some sugar cubes waiting for me when we get back. 
That's all I'm saying. Sugar cubes don't seem like they'd be very big to a horse. You know? Maybe an apple. An apple. Oh, horses love apples. When they kind of like pull their pull their lips back and their teeth are like, oh, yeah. all right, give me that apple. Sure. Horses freak you out at all? Not at all. Love horses. I think they're beautiful, beautiful animals. I do too, but sometimes when I look at them too much, I go, it doesn't quite look the same as I imagine them as some weird platonic horse in my head. They're much bigger and scarier than than they seem to like me horses see horses like you dogs love me so this is the yeah. i got attacked by a samoyed puppy yesterday and it was like it was like getting attacked by a fluffy you know uh, like a tribble yeah essentially it's like <laughs> you are super cute little dog but you know and you feel like a stuffed animal um yeah things organized neatly i'll put that in the show uh, what do you think about this uh, listener of ours who sent in this American Psychological Association article about how taking pictures makes you enjoy an experience more than not taking pictures? Well, that seems to that seems to uh, contradict other studies that we've mentioned and talked <clears throat> about that 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 would suggest the opposite is true that that the experience is more valuable if you put down the camera and experience the experience instead of experiencing the photograph of the experience. Yeah, although I will say that, uh, can we talk about the methodology a little bit where they say individuals were asked to participate in an activity, for example, taking a bus tour or eating in a food court. (laughs) Well, yes, if if your task is go eat in the food court, I would imagine that taking pictures might be a little more enjoyable. But if the question is, Go get married. Would you like a camera in your hand or not? You know, yeah. Or um, go to a concert. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like it's a little skewed towards Seems mundane to subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and plus, if you're on a bus tour, the whole idea of a bus tour is to, uh, uh, you know, go see things. So, oh, we're driving by the, you know, Big Ben. You know, you know. Uh, look, I take pictures when I travel, but I don't take a lot of pictures when I travel, you know, I take 20, 30 a day. You know, I don't, I'm not a guy who takes a ton and ton of pictures. Um, I think there, I think that there are excesses on both ends, right? There, there are people who don't take any pictures and then there are people who take 3000 pictures a day and then wonder why they didn't actually see anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting article. Who sent this into us? Somebody from España. Was it from Spain? Is that where they were from? You were writing I'm back and not forth. Sure, I don't remember now. It was uh, Luke, Luke Moreau, right? Wasn't it? Uh, maybe. No, no, no. It was a different guy. It wasn't Luke Moreau? I'm, lo- I'm sorry. I'm looking. It was Jorge. Yeah, that's oh, what it was. Okay. Greetings from okay. Spain. Escribano, es- Escribano, Escribano, Jorge Martinez Escribano. Cool. Anyway, thank you. Uh, Put a link in the show notes. What's up? Did you want to mention, let's see, what was there? Oh, yeah. So next week I am shooting all week. So uh, we're going to do- We will be on location. I will be on location. Uh, We uh, are going to record a Q&A, but we're going to do it probably on Sunday evening. So- uh, Send in some questions for us. Uh, we will uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. If you want to put a voicemail in, uh, 347-687-9411 and just leave us a, a message or tweet at us with questions and we'll put a thing in the the group, the Google group 
uh, but uh, we'll do that probably on Sunday night. So a little earlier than usual. It'll probably go up on the internet on Tuesday, but uh, we'll probably record on Sunday. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you happen to see? I don't know if it's photographer of the week, but did you did you happen to look at uh, Dilworth John Dilworth's message about the uh, the city? that's divided by highways uh yes a photo I, I, essay? I haven't uh, uh yes i did yes uh you like that one i i mean it's 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 kind of a metaphor for a lot of i i would imagine places in across the country that, sure. that uh i mean famously route 66 once active and thriving is sort of a relic of what it once was now yep. because the interstate basically just killed uh, commerce, tourism, et cetera. Yeah, I'll put a link in the um, show notes. His name is uh, Michael DeFilippo. De Michael DeFilippo, yeah. Uh, um, 60 photograph essay. It's 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 really good. I mean, I, I like this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, well, you know what it is? It, it has a both a point of view and a... Uh, uh, a um, both a point of view and a, a, a topic, you know, a, a complete mm-hmm. subject. It, I mean, look in in New York City, there was there was all there's all kinds of talk when Robert Moses was putting in highways and bridges and and doing all the stuff that he was doing in uh, New York City back in the 50s and 60s. Um, one of the arguments that was made was up in the Bronx specifically that they would just mow through these neighborhoods and just lay in this highway, this elevated highway, and in doing so end up tearing down a bunch of stuff and splitting uh, neighborhoods into two sides. Uh, you know, basically, you know, basically it's like putting up the Berlin wall where people were on one side or on the other side and, and they just didn't see each other as much anymore. And that it broke up communities and it broke up uh, neighborhoods uh, to the point where it had a really negative effect on the people who lived there. And of course, in the time, predominantly African American or Hispanic neighborhoods, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah, it's 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 it, it was a fascinating time in America where we thought, oh well, let's just build highways and to hell with the neighborhoods and the people who were there. We need the highways, you know. What was oh gosh, what was the project? Uh, to, oh, Jesus, it wasn't. Uh, what was the the democracy? Which one's that? Like the, the the big photo project that was in like nineteen seventy six, wasn't it seventy six? I'm sorry, I, I start over again. What's it's the a idea? Photo project that oh. that tried to document uh, changes across America. Oh god! Oh, I don't know what? that one. Or at least I don't know that I know that one. Oh, it was like a okay. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. Okay, find it. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, thank you, John, for sending that one in. Interesting, man. It is weird. I mean, you don't have any. Do you have any highways near you that you could theoretically go walk over a bridge, like a footbridge or anything like that? Sure. Yeah the 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 Beltway um, that goes around DC four ninety five. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is is just up the road. So yeah, you can walk over it. Yeah. And it's, it really is a, an imposing psychological barrier. Documerica. That's what it was called. Documerica. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll put a, I, I will find it and put it like in the show notes. 
images of yeah. America in crisis in the seventies. That stuff. Yep. Yep. Okay. Ooh, this stuff's good. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Maybe we can talk about it. Put it in there, and we'll talk about it next time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the the following time, we'll talk about it in two weeks. Oh God, that graffiti covered train in nineteen seventy three in New York City. Right. Yeah, it was like a six-year project, I think. Went from like maybe 1970 to 1976, something like that. And there's a, there was a lot of time at which the American cities were real hellholes, you know? They needed help, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we can talk about this. Yeah, I'll put, um, a, I'll, I'll put, a, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and then we'll discuss it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Let me, put a, let me put a thing up here. Yep, Done. That would be 228, which is one more than 227, which is Jack K. No, it'd be 229. Oh, it would be 229. You're right. You're right. Because 228's the Q yep, and yep, A. Yep, yep, yep. Good point. M- mostly it's just fun saying Documerica. Right. <laughs> I rem- Now, did you, let's see. Do you remember the Freedom Train? Uh, I, yeah, I vaguely do. Wait, what's the Freedom Train? I know it was the, the the for the bicentennial. Uh oh, you know what? Uh I know of them after the fact. I'll put a link in show notes for that too, a Wikipedia. Yeah, article. the American Freedom Train. I remember seeing this. My my dad took me to see it. And uh I I uh I drew I drew pictures of it and we would put uh bunch of people would put pennies on the track of course and roll over them before yeah so it'd flatten them out and hope that they didn't go off center and shoot out like a bullet and uh we did that actually recently at my mother's house and it did shoot off like a bullet (laughs) yeah (laughs) you gotta get it right in the middle of your it's very dangerous yeah it really is it's incredibly dangerous (laughs) (laughs) kids like legs gets blown off from because he wanted a smushed quarter you know right right uh (laughs) Yeah, but I, I remember this very uh, the, the Documerica thing got me thinking about that. That's sort of where it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and I love trains. So there's that. trains are cool. Well, it's in your blood. It's in it's in my blood. You're a train man. I, I was almost. Yeah, yeah. You think you really would have gone into that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Both both my grandfather and my father wanted me to. Well, that you know, are there still? I mean, if you had. Does that world still exist, or has that whole union been busted and blah, blah, blah? Not blah, in blah. the way that it did. And it's it's not really a union busting. Much of that work has been automated. Right, right, right. Like the guys uh, at, at at docks back in the day, right? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a so, lot of that work has been automated. But, you know, I, I've got some fantastic memories of, of going with my father to work and, and riding on trains. God, did you, you know? please tell me your father's saying... I've been working on the railroad. <laughs> no, he didn't. God. No. I uh, should have had him record no, he that. Would, he would put me in the caboose with a lunchbox, and then oh. he would go do his thing. Uh, did he have a rag in his back pocket? Yes. Oh, yes. Of course. God, that's awesome. I, I Either a rag or his gloves. You know, I mean, right, right, of course. It, every cliche you can you is can real. come up with is yeah. real. Yeah, the overalls, the, you know, the lunchboxes, the thermos, <laughs> the gloves, the boots. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it yeah. really is. It's it's like a it's like a, a Warner Brothers cartoon from the fifties, you know. Yeah, uh, it's so good, it's so good. Um, all right, so we did all that. Uh, let's talk about uh, last week's uh, last week's stuff in the group. Last week's stuff in the group was an abysmal failure. 
I'm it sorry, was? guys. You really, you know, I'm getting a little tired of not seeing any talent. I'm not, you know, there's no vision. There's no, there's no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Zinish. No, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, Pete Geyser, Geyser, Geyser. Pete Geyser, Geyser. Pete Geyser. Uh, love the peppers. Yeah. Uh, William Manth- Matthew, uh, yeah. the time lapse, starscapes. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with time lapse. Uh, oh, I like Millie's picture of the woman. It almost looks like Millie sitting there shooting Millie. I thought, it, yeah, it's, it's, if you, at first glance, <laughs> very good. Um, Bobby Tingle. Uh, where were you at? Were you at like a, what was Zombie this? Con? This, this, yeah, it was this like a, a NIH fundraiser? This <laughs> is a zombie this? walk. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't give us money, That's we'll right. all look like this someday. <laughs> this could happen to you. Uh, WWQ. See the picture of the cow there? Like a big fiberglass uh, yep, yep, cow? Yep, yep, B- Very big cow. Sure. Uh, Connors, friend of the show and chef and uh, uh, camp cook. Camp counselor. Chris Connors is on a on a, a whirlwind trip of the Southwest. He is. Uh, uh, wait, can we go? Uh, Todd Schick's picture of the the orange truck through the window. I really like that one. See that one? Hold on. Where? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a uh, that's a winner. And Bob Campbell's basically taking a Macintosh uh, desktop wallpaper. Isn't there a picture just like that in the old desktop wallpaper for? Wait, who? Uh, Bob Campbell. Oh, the Stones. Yeah, this this. Yeah, isn't there a picture just like that? Similar, yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a kit thing. Simon, uh, love that kit. Simple kit. FM2 and a Pentax 6.7. Boom. Nice. Can't go wrong that, that with a Pentax That was a big, 6, heavy 7. camera, man. I saw somebody walking down the street with one the other day. Was it like this, or did it have the big wood grip on the left side? Uh, I'm trying to find the picture. Uh, I think it was, uh, it did not have the wood grip on the side. Did I mention Jason Lee last week? I think I did. Yes. The, so, wait. actor Jason Lee, sure, yeah, also yep. skateboarder, photographer, he posted a shot, uh, a portrait that he had done on 55, and uh, I commented on it. I said, hey, how many, how many slices of 55 do you have left? Uh, it's got such a great look to it or something like that. And he right. responded, he's like, I've got a few good boxes left. Uh, I love it. So, oh, it's the best. Yeah. I yeah. uh, uh, did you I, yeah. did you end up getting that 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 box that partial uh, I, box? I have a partial box, but I need to. Um... No, there was one you were going to buy. Somebody had it. Oh oh oh. Uh, well, I have my agent gave me some, and Kent had some, but I didn't purchase it because it's too too rich for my blood. Um, hmm. It is it is the best. Um, it's it's good stuff. I mean, look look. It's not the end of the world if it disappears. It's not the end of the world if Kodachrome disappears. But it is the end of an era, right? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Oh, I, oh, I see the guy with the uh, with the uh, pipe in his mouth. Yeah, with the he looks almost like Dan Winters, doesn't he? Yeah, he does kind of look like Dan Winters. It's a nice picture. Yeah, good. So, job. Uh, yeah, good stuff, guys. Really good stuff. Uh, Jason found art, some street art. I like that. Kind yep. of. Uh, Art imitating life of the taking pictures of a graffiti art piece imitating of a guy life taking yeah. a picture. Yeah. Art imitating life, imitating art, art imitating life. Right. Yep. Uh Matheson. Glad to see you back. This is very cool. Um, found art. Um 
uh, Adam Binslev, adhesive. That's a really tacky shot, Adam. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the next week's assignment, which is actually a really good one, uh, written in by uh, Chris Connors, I do believe, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, how, how did he have time in between uh, Zion and In-N-Out Burger? To come up with really know. good ideas for assignments. Yeah. Uh, assignment, uh, you know what, Jeffrey, though? I do believe that this is the kind of thing that a lot of people would have done. It's a little cliche. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, assignment is hashtag cliche. Cliche. So, <laughs> okay. What? It's not a good one? I think no, it's, it's a good, good one. It's good. We've seen that before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong. <sighs> yeah. Well. Hey, what? Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> cliche. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I know. Where are you going to um, go with that one? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Think about that. Uh, more profile, more found art. Tanya, I like that that shot of the corn. Um, uh, profile, Andrew Shields. Andrew, you're shooting... Are you the one shooting with the Sony with manual lenses? Is that you? A7? All the cool people glass? are. Yeah. From what I've heard. Well, what what Sony needs to do, though, is come out with another model of a7 because the six aren't enough <laughs> uh i haven't read this article but i think i want to chris connor's now and uh, uh, new york times now what do you see in art nearly 50 people told us so they interviewed 50 people about what they saw in particular paintings okay uh this sounds kind of interesting maybe we can you know what let's can we add this to the show notes for sure. for two times from now sure billy two times I can do it. So cliche for the assignment for next time. Cool. I like it. I like it. Uh, Photographer of the week. This came from from you. Uh, I follow Uh, this guy. Did somebody send it in? Uh, It came from me. I follow this gentleman on Instagram, and I think his stuff is really nice. In the same way that we think that the uh, uh, you know it's 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 along uh, the lines of our uh, our friend. Or your friend, rather. Which who? Uh, your friend from uh, Mister from Adams or from. Uh, what are you talking about? It's, it's a little Crutzenesque at times. What? Let the, me the see hopper ones. Here. Go look at the hopper meditations ones. Now, are these composites? Are these blue screen, green screen? I, I do, see. Okay, so the once upon a time ones feel like they're almost. It almost feels like composites of a person inside a miniature. It does. It feels like a diorama. Which I think it may be because, I mean, if you look at the ones, uh, which actually makes it interesting on multiple levels, right? Because then you have this whole idea of, oh, well, you have to build this small diorama set and then you're also shooting the people. I have seen these Hopper pictures before. You have? I have, yeah. I didn't know who did them, but I I have seen these before. And, And what did you think of them? I liked them. (laughs) <laughs> Mikey likes it. Yeah, they do. I don't know if it's the 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 depth of field. If it's if it's, <clears throat> they feel it, very it, almost painterly. They don't feel like just straight photographs. Certainly. Yeah, and it, it the depth of field almost feels like it was done in post. Yes, uh, and to to the point where it's almost dreamlike, right? Yeah. Could you see that? I mean, it, it yeah. almost looks like it's either 
the lens blur or or multiple layers of Gaussian blur in post rather than in camera. And I could be completely off base, and I probably am. But on a yeah, couple yeah, yeah. of the shots, yeah. But it becomes almost ethereal, you know. But then there are other shots where everything's in focus, right? It's like foreground and background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, definitely some sort of crazy composites. And some of them are really neat. Like if you go to The number, Young Adult series is terrific. Go to That's number nice 13 out of 17 of the Once Upon a Time in uh, Kazmira's. Number okay. 13 out of 17. It's like a woman in the, or her, just a woman laying on the for, in the foreground real close and like way back in the back corner, a guy. Oh, yeah. Putting yeah, on his that pants. Forced perspective. Yeah. That's kind of yeah, neat. That, that, it's, it's almost that, that sort of Bill Brandt kind of forced perspective. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. It almost goes that far. And then look mm-hmm. at number 16. It almost looks like they're, they're not people, but rather stand it like models, like plastic models. You know, which I don't think that they are, because if they are, they're really creepily hmm. perfect. Anyway, yeah, I wonder if this is if this is a diorama entirely. You think? No, no, no. The 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 background and their composite. Oh, the background. Uh, it feels that way to me. Yeah. I mean, the stones look awfully big for cobblestones, don't they? Yes. I mean, they're like a, a foot and a half, two feet across. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But uh, but I think the hopper meditations are actually really beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially there's one in here that I saw the number four where it's like the woman lounging naked on the bed with a cigarette and the guy's in the other room sitting where she's at the got table kind of the hand newspaper. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful shot. Yeah, his composition is very classical composition, very classical lighting. Yep. Um, again, to your point earlier, very painterly. Yep. Uh, I think yeah, it's really interesting work. Yeah, they're really beautiful. Um, I got so there's some links in the show notes. I'll put in. Uh, there's this lens culture uh, article on uh, on the Hopper meditations, which includes like a three minute little uh, interview uh, with him. Uh, okay, they are di- some of them are dioramas. There's oh, is that whole, what he says here? Uh, yeah, in in the Once Upon a Time is in. Casimir's promo. Yeah, 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 yeah. He shows the uh, building that dioramas. Wow. Now, okay, here's a question. Let's dive yep. into this a little deeper. Does it make the photos more impressive or less impressive knowing that the settings were built and composited in? How does that uh, make you... To me, I think that that it's, to me, I'm fine. I think that it's almost more impressive because it's a whole other layer of artistry involved in making them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think he was doing that as a shortcut. I think he was doing that as a way to, um, uh, I think he was doing that as a way to uh, facilitate his worldview and also have a, a look that looks something a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, um, it feels like another layer or level of of creative expression. Yep. Like this Absolutely. this is another thing that I do. Kind yeah. Of look thing. at those models. Oh wow, aren't they terrific? Yeah. This video is pretty cool. I'll put a link to the show notes uh, in the show notes to the video. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are times when the short the shortness of the depth of field almost takes me out of the picture. Like it's almost a little too short. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would have tried to match the feel of those a little more, but at the same time, it's also kind of interesting that he's doing it that way because it, it does give it this dreamlike quality, you know? So then I wonder if he is shooting 
background plates intentionally out of focus. Yeah, or yeah, or maybe yeah, it could be. Or, you know, when you're shooting small things like that, it's also, you know, your depth of field is tighter because Mhm. Mhm. You know, you're if 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 you're shooting a thing that is a depth of 8 inches and you're shooting it uh pretty wide open, you know. Uh yeah, he's just shooting them on gray. Look at that. So yeah, the answer is he's shooting them on gray and compositing them in. I love Fascinating. it. Fascinating. I really anyway, do. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, Richard Tushman. Maybe you should uh, contact him. Do a yeah, PD whole other level. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm rethinking PD. Okay. I, I really like the Gladwell approach and the Netflix approach of doing them all at once, and I think that is the direction I I would like to go in. So wait, you're gonna you're gonna keep doing PD the way you've been doing it, but just no, no, saving no. them up. I, 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 yeah, I'm the, the, the way it's, the way I'm thinking about it right now is six episodes every season. Okay. And I don't mean season like season one, two, three. I mean, winter, spring, summer, fall. Okay. So six episodes actually every other season, because I have a new show that I want to do in between. So it would be PD, the new thing, then PD, then the new thing, but release all six episodes at once. And then go do six episodes of this other thing and then come back and do six episodes of the next one. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I like that model because I, 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 I tend to look at how so I So it's really just a distribution thing. It's a distribution more. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, 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 you're, not, you're not changing it and thinking, oh, okay, so this episode is actually going to be have no, a no. more overarching idea and I'm going to interview three different artists and then take little bits and pieces of those interviews to support a larger idea like Gladwell is doing, for example, in his thing. I don't think so. Okay. But I do think that... That would be a cool thing to do, but a lot of work. Well, what what I... I'll have more detail next time okay. we actually do a real show, but I think... Uh, not the Q&A. But yeah. I think the way it's going to work is six people in, let's say, the next season or the first season of this of this new distribution model of PD will go up in October. Okay. Okay. And then... After that is uh, the first offering of the new show, which will feature two people from the previous season of PD and two people from the next season of PD, and then two people that are unrelated to either. Okay. So there's always this sort of looking back and looking forward, and everything kind of feeds off of one another, the, either the, the ligaments of the yes. uh, Sidoris. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it's a good way to do it. I, I'm 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 kind of excited with it. So you know, I've been I just whacked my mic. Sorry. Uh, it's it is it is the main reason that I haven't put up another episode in a while because I am I am changing the distribution of it. I, I think it will work better, not only in production but thematically. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Very cool. So anyway, but anyway, this guy's good, really good. Yeah, I'd love to talk yeah. to him. Tushman. Uh Richard Good Tushman. find. Uh he has a good Instagram feed too if you want to look him up. How I did will, you come uh, across him? I know I know you follow him on Instagram, you know, but how good, did you first I think occasionally I I will do a hashtag search and just look through say, you know, portraits and just kind of scroll through and say, oh, this is junk junk junk. Oh, that guy's pretty good. Like I'll add him, you know. I occasionally do that. Uh and I think it may have been one of those. I don't think I've ever met him, although I do think he is a New Yorker or somewhere in this area. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we'll I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to his okay. Instagram. Yeah, just well. followed him. Yep. Um, yeah, good find, Bill. Yeah, good, good stuff. One. And uh, okay, so Q and A next week, or rather, even earlier than next week, you have five days to give us questions, and we will have ninety minutes to give you answers. Yeah, put them in uh, in the the G plus group. Yep. Or you can email us at. Uh, what is podcast that I'm taking pictures? Uh. <laughs> We've only said it 300 times. <laughs> right. uh, podcast, podcast that I'm taking, taking pictures. pictures. Uh, hey, did I tell you about my rowing machine, which disappeared? I'm so angry about you, it. You posted about it. Ugh. Why don't they you just s- buy one? Get over it. Just buy well, one. I, buy I, the one that you like. Well, what we're going to do, I think, is switch to the gym, which is actually closer that still has them. Is the idea the the problem with buying one is that we don't have a whole lot of space. We do live in a right. New York apartment. Yeah, but don't uh, don't they fold up to nothing? Don't they fold up like a Murphy they, bed type thing? They do kind of tip on their end, I think, or there's some way to put them away. Yes, but uh, and I think that I would use one if it was here, and it was the middle of the day, and I was frustrated by some work thing or something like that. I would totally hop on it and row for ten minutes, you know, to get out my. Although I think you'd be doing it while we we're doing the show, it would be. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I totally would use it all the time. Uh but um so yeah, we've actually considered that cuz it's uh they're like 900 bucks um for the for the concept 2s. Yeah, I'm just how surprised. long do they last? Oh, probably deca- a long time, a decade. right? Decade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and we pay amortize prob- amortize your gym membership oh, against the cost of one of those we, and you probably make out better. We we pay off the gym it would pay off itself from the gym membership in 6 to 8 months. Yeah. Well, there so, you go. So, but the problem is that uh my wife likes to leave the house to go to the gym. You know, which well, I understand. Have a walk around the block. <laughs> <laughs> there, you left the house. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Uh, find us on Instagram and Twitters and whatever. Uh, at Bill Wadman, at Jeffrey Sidoris. And uh, we will talk to you next week with some answers. Yes. Uh, have a great week. Keep, keep putting stuff in the group. Uh, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Yeah. And, Where'd that and come be, from? Be good to each other. I don't know. The 70s, maybe? Wasn't that like one of those keep on trucking, like the 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 guy with the with the forced perspective, with the with the, the leg way out in front of him? Who was that? Was that Crumb? Who did the I keep don't know. On, oh, oh uh, yeah, good question. Actually, keep uh, on trucking may refer to all kinds of things. Apparently, there's a song from back in the day. Keep on keeping on. No, it's uh, is it Crumb? I think it's Crumb. Yeah, but I think it came from something before then. Uh, oh, apparently, yeah, our uh, Crumb. That's who it is. Yeah. Keep on yeah, trucking. Yeah. You know where he's like that was in the back 80s, in like right? the zoot suit? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Crumb. Is that guy still alive or he die? Uh, I believe he's still alive. And there is uh, th- th- there is a documentary uh, that's it's pretty fascinating, as well as uh, the, uh, what is it, American Splendor. Sure. Uh, with right. uh, Paul Giamatti, which was which, terrific. Which uh, a movie I really like. Yeah. Or good, right? really enjoyed it at the time. I don't know that I'd want to watch it again, but I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, questions next week. We'll see you guys uh, in a bit, and uh, have a good week. Yeah, have a great week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Going on and on the way we are for so long. Too many fools. It's plain to see something's wrong. As this way. So I can hear you think I
this way Say what you wanna say I know what you will say with 